ladies and gentlemen, the Conservative Daily Podcast is back. And now, time for another history lesson from Max McGuire. Welcome back to Hour 2 of the Conservative Daily Podcast, again brought to you by Aramaic Care Network. Aramaic Care Network, the premier insurance plan to cover you should you ever need to be airlifted for a medical emergency. It's not cheap, folks. If you need to be airlifted, whether you get hurt when you're out hiking, hunting, fishing, um, in an area that just ambulance can't reach you, or if there's just really bad traffic, you'd be surprised at how many times people need to be airlifted to a hospital. Well, don't, you, don't, you shouldn't have to worry about the cost. And Air Medicare Network is here to make sure you don't. For $85, your entire household will be covered should an emergency strike and any of you need to be airlifted. It really is common sense coverage. So again, you want to make sure you go to airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash daily. Link is in the description. And use promo code daily and you'll receive up to $50 in the form of an e-gift card, depending on how many years you sign up for. Okay, so the second hour, we, we went through a lot. Went through a lot. The second hour, we're going to bring on Jake Frejo and have him talk to us a bit, pick his brain, see what he thinks of it, see if he sees the same similarities I'm seeing. So welcome to the show, Jake. Hey, Max, what's going on? Uh, Joe couldn't be here today. He got mauled by a bobcat on his morning jog. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Fortunately for the Dominion people, it looks like he's going to pull through. So. (laughs) So for everyone who doesn't know, you have a bit of a personal experience with this being that you were for a time behind bars and accused of beating someone who was antifa yes allegedly so yeah so you've experienced what it's like when the government when prosecutors decide that two people when it, when an argument comes to fisticuffs that only one side should be victorious and the other side should not you've experienced what it's like to be branded as the the white supremacist proud boy who deserves to rot you've experienced that yeah and and i got um accustomed to meeting with the feds many times uh, you know going back to the previous show i was on they they always addressed it from one angle they weren't actually seeking um justice they were seeking a narrative um, mm-hmm. so you know, you're not wrong in those statements. So when we see, I mean, you, you, you're not a white supremacist. Let's just get this out the, uh, out the, off the bat. You are not a right, white supremacist, correct? No, I, I actually find most white people to be boring. And that is, you know, why <laughs> I moved to Brooklyn. I enjoyed the flavor of the inner city. I enjoyed the, the culture, the community. Uh, well, white, that's called gentrification. People, right, right, right. That's, you that's know, bad. You know, it is. And white then, people and then in when suburbia you left, are very boring. Yeah. When you went to Brooklyn, that's called gentrification. That's racist. And yes, when you left, is. that's called that's called white flight, and that's equally racist. Also racist. So they're damned yeah. if you do, damned if you don't. Uh, <laughs> it's like rolling a so, coin with both you know both sides or tails. Yeah, yeah. And so is it, it racist? It, it's it's uh, like yes. mm-hmm. oh, okay. It's like going up against Two Face in a Batman comic, yeah, and you know yeah. that you're not going to win the coin. You're not going to win the one. coin flip. <laughs> it's just it, the whole thing's rigged. So you're not a white supremacist. No, you are not. You do not identify as a proud boy, correct? No, no. Actually, I was just um, I was just helping a a friend, uh, uh, one of the uh, advisors to the club, uh, just checking people in at the door. And I thought it'd be cool to go to a bar uh, afterwards and meet McGinnis. It was the first time I had actually met Mm -hmm. 
and I thought it would be cool to go to the bar. Uh, you know, my experience at Williamsburg and Bushwick, I, I had wanted to, you know, when, when McGinnis started Vice News, he had a lot to do with the culture, the hipster movement, you know, and essentially they canceled him because he didn't go along with their ideology and their narrative. But I kind of just wanted to pick his brain as to, you know, I had seen Williamsburg explode in, 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 in a million different directions. And I wanted to get his take on, you know, a variety of things of, of the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Just so happened to be in that, uh, you know, process of walking to a bar, we got attacked and then, you know, subsequently labeled a uh, white supremacist uh, yeah. hate group. So rather inconveniencing and, yeah. for a personal brand, but, you know, oh, that is a lot. It's, it's, a, it's a killer. It's yeah. a brand killer. And, and it doesn't matter if it's true or not, right? It, it's, it, you will never be able to get away from that on a job interview. It'll always, the minute someone Googles you, right, it'll right, come absolutely, up. Absolutely. It's, um, it'll come up. I mean, it, I'm it, not a proud boy. I don't consider myself a proud boy. I, I've read into it. The whole proud boy thing started as a joke. It was, it was. It, and it so, was. <laughs> you know, we, we can get into that later talking about how, you know, you're talking about, you know, feds and plants and the insurrection and the whole Whitmer thing. I, I, I would say that, you know, we can talk about this down the, down the road in the show about how, you know, I, I w afterwards I went to a few of these gatherings and it was really just guys, working class guys, union workers, very uh, diverse group of people. There are a lot of Hispanics, there are a lot of African-Americans and, you know, it, it was a drinking group. Uh, you know, yeah. you go to the bar, order some food, talk about what you did for work and, you know, kind of complain about what was going on in the world. But besides that, no. But, you know, as things started, as the group started to get, I guess, more eyes on it and more publicity, they had to switch the narrative in in that, you know, you, you, you can unify in numbers. And if, if there's a, a, a common unifier between diverse groups, that's bad. It's bad for business when you're trying to yeah. you know, make everyone believe that a white supremacist lives under every rock. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and we've seen, I covered it in the first hour. It's just, everything's white supremacy. Now I didn't even get to all of it. And I started sounding like a broken record of, of how many things can be white supremacy. Mr. Producer, go ahead, put down image seven. This comes to us from our friends North of the border, Ottawa public health. <laughs> you'll, this says you'll see the tentacles of white supremacy weaving their way through the COVID is a hoax. This is just a few, a flu crowd. And yes, the Seymour reply section of this thread will inevitably be full of them. Each one saying why they're often racist remarks aren't racist. So now disagreeing with lockdowns is white supremacy. It's, uh, you know, if, if, if we go back to what, what, you know, do you want to do you want to go over the the whole the FBI meeting with myself and the the complexity? We, we don't we don't have to get into too per, into too personal stuff. We don't have to get into all of it. I mean, because it, it's it's talking about everything, right? It, what happened to you? The only thing difference different between what happened to you and what could happen to any number of our viewers is that they're not on the FBI's radar yet, right? They right, haven't right, given absolutely. them an, an opportunity, right? And when you see that people who just walked into the Capitol building after being waved in by a police officer are now being prosecuted, I mean, anything, when everything is white supremacy, everything you do as a conservative can be what gets you in the FBI hot seat. So, yeah, I mean, obviously they had you on video getting into that, that fight. So they, they had enough to go after you. What, um, I, what, I, what I found intriguing... What I found intriguing, uh, being 
very public running the real estate business, my phone number was out. You know, you, you, you could still get a hold of me today if you wanted. Uh, and not one journalist called me. No, no input, nothing. No one, no one called me. No one said, hey, you know, let me take his angle on this. Maybe we can walk him into saying something. And, you know, then we've got him on tape or then we've got him in a, you know, in, in, in a, <laughs> a soundbite saying something white supremacist or, you know, wh whatever you describe it as. No one ever called me. No one ever, no, no one ever sought my opinion on anything. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a scary reality that I think a lot of people, we're going to see it more and more often. They're just going to start bagging people up. It's, you know, assembly line just stamping. Whatever they want, they just stamp it. And then, and then you're screwed for life because they own the media. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I just, I, I see this and I see the compare, I see the obvious. I, I said it in the first hour, I hate making Nazi comparisons. I hate. When, when, because you argue with anyone, eventually the Nazis will be brought up. Like, oh, that's just like Hitler used to do. And, and Hitler did a lot of things. And it's very easy to have a political argument with someone and to have that reduced to a, a Hitler reference. So I, I don't like doing it. But when you get into this realm, you truly can't escape it. When, when they're talking about turning people in, when they're talking, when they're talking, like literally, they're saying, turn your neighbor in, turn your coworker in. For what? For being radicalized. Is that, a, what is that? What does that mean? Like, like Against it's one they, thing they to go after, take. yeah, it's one thing to go after people who've committed a crime, but when the whole thing is that they want to get you before you've committed the crime and they want people to turn you in for being radical and being radicalized, what does that even mean? It doesn't mean anything, right? It's, it, uh, it's, it's pre-crime. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's Minority Report without the psychics telling you what's going to happen. It's just Joe Biden and Merrick Garland deciding, like, oh, well, white supremacy is bad. They're the most dangerous. So anyone who's a white supremacist is obviously dangerous, and white supremacy is whatever we want it to be. It's just, where does it end? Uh, well, you you ended you ended up getting community service, right? Yeah, I think I think they're intimidated by me. I think I, I think it was a difficult case to make against me because you know they're trying to make this image of a knuckle-dragging neanderthal you know that lives in a trailer park and drinks mountain dew and you know i was son of an immigrant i'm bilingual my uh you know i i the the the, the time i was engaged to a a, a jewish girl and I, I worked for um hasidic developers so the most devout sect of of the jewish religion and you know it it, it was myself oh, you're an anti-semite Right, right, right. You know, <laughs> you know, the Jewish community in South Brooklyn did more for me than any other community. And so oh. then to see that come down was really, you know, they're calling my office saying, you know, you're employing a Nazi. And it's one of those things you just get so shocked by. You're yeah. like, this is incredible. You're like, oh, it can't go that, you know, there's no way they can take it that way. They can take it that direction. And then they do, because there's nothing stopping them. Uh, and then there was another guy, which we didn't talk about this, but the there were 10 people indicted total. And the last guy was a very dark Indian man, and his name was David. And David, for some reason, they dissolved his case. They threw it out. And I was up after about 10 months, which is an incredible amount of time for a, a simple, you know, street fight. So the, the, the name of the game is to bleed it dry, drag it out, bleed it dry, crush the person. Communism in general, crush the businesses, crush individuality, crush you financially. And so this guy, David, I think his case 
ended up getting thrown out a year and a half later, and it was because they couldn't march in front of the camera a man who, you know, for all things considered, would be described as black, very dark brown, and yeah. Indian. He, he was Indian. And so, you know, they, myself, I, I think, you know, Jake Jose Frejo, you can't really paint that picture as well as you can paint with Maxwell Hare and John Kinsman, you know, very well there are white hispanics white guys yeah every time there's a hispanic guy who does something that they want to label as a white supremacist he becomes the mythical white hispanic <laughs> well you know and then if you also understand that you know the dynamics of, of northern spain which is where my father's from is much of much of the the jewish population that was pushed out in the inquisition actually ended up in in, in the mountains so much of the lineage of people in the northern coast of spain are jewish in that you know, they had to hide from persecution. So I, I think that was really the reason why I got off was I, I did not, if I, they, the DA knew that I was willing to, you know, get loud. And he knew that for, in comparison to the other guys, I was a little more connected and a little more equipped. So I don't think they wanted me to get loud. And, you know, it's <laughs> going back to your comments about, you know, snitching on your neighbor and stuff like that. Another tenant that, that you know, the Nazis, what did the Nazis say? What was one of their, I guess, dog whistles to garner support for their movement? What, what, what did they say that the Jewish people were at fault for? Everything. I mean, it, it was pretty Mainly much everything. the economy. It, it, they blamed, they the, blamed economy. the Jewish people on seizing well, the Also economy. culture. Right. So They said cultural. They, they were destroying the German culture. That's why they, they, they burned so many Jewish authors' books because it, they said they were infecting literature. Right? It was every aspect of German society. If you could point to something wrong— there was there was some Jewish man out there who was right. responsible for it. So so the scary parallel I see, especially with the perspective of, of, of being in these, you know, very ultra orthodox communities, is they've just changed the phrasing. It was, you know, it's the Jewish community is at fault because they control the economy. So get them for that. And now if, you know, and this is, this is a micro situation, you can't apply this, you know, they'll probably try to take a sound by and say I'm making a, an anti-Semitic stereotype, but much of, much of the, the, the guys, the movers and shakers in, in Brooklyn and Manhattan in the development world are Jewish. I'd say maybe 60, 70% of yeah. them. And so, you know, if you're trying to bring back Nazi narrative or Nazi agenda, you know, if, if, if a certain product doesn't sell well, you reinvent it, right? So no one's yeah. going to come back saying, well, you know, let's get this whole Nazi thing, you know, this Nazi ideology started again, so we got to, you know, reinvent it. And the one thing they've removed from, at least in New York or in the five boroughs, is kill the rich landlord, get the rich landlord. And so yeah. the media turns a blind eye to this, but there is a period in the past two to three years when AOC and all these different, you know, talking heads and influential figures started saying, you know, landlords are evil, landlords. So what what started happening? Have you seen? Did you see any of the attacks in, in Borough Park, Crown Heights? Uh, yeah, yeah. South Williamsburg. These guys in, uh, you know, these these uh, Hasidic communities, they were just getting cold clocked. But and so it didn't meet their narrative for the media, and you know they turn it around and say, well, this is because of anti-Semitism and Donald Trump. Not yeah. you on a, you know on a figurehead level have been feeding the public. You know, kill the landlord. Landlords at fault yeah. for all of your problems. You know, go after them. And so it was horrible. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I think it's died down a bit now. It's more 
uh, Asian uh, attack uh, uh, hate crimes. But you know, in 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 the the summer months of the past few years, it was it was horrible. These guys were getting bludgeoned. Yeah, Jake, I'll, I'll tell you just to shift the mic over a little bit. You're talking into the side of the mic. Yeah. So see how it where uh-huh. it pivots. So it pivots along that uh-huh. arm. You want you want to either do with the edge of it or in the front of it. I think. Um, let me see if this chair goes out. There we go. So, right. what? Yeah. I mean, you you talk right, you talk good. about the landlords. You talk about the landlords. I mean, we've seen that throughout COVID nineteen. Whereas, uh, oh well, the landlords they have a secret, a secret vault of cash hidden somewhere. They can afford <laughs> to not not get rent. We're going to waive your rent payments, right. and we're going to get we're going to get rid of evictions. And don't worry, the landlords can take it. Meanwhile, most of the landlords are not big conglomerates; they're and, mom and pop landlords, and they can't take it. And, oh, even uh, the big guys, even the big guys, the big guys are screwed. I mean, they're guys I know. That they were they were kings a few years ago, you know they were they they were they were magnates, and they're they're in shambles, you know they're they're defaulting. There's a there's a a project next to my first apartment that they just defaulted on a hundred and sixty million dollar loan. And and if you understand the real estate game, it, it it's not that they're rolling in cash. It's you know there's a lot of there's a lot of magic at play to you know keep the game keep the ball rolling, but you know it's it, it, these guys. The big, even with the big guys, the big bank is in some sense the Third Reich, uh, repositioning and seizing the wealth of, of you know of the opposition, or you know whatever you know the individual that they've labeled the enemy, and so they've in a, I guess more amiable sense have made it that they can seize the property of the rich. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's all it, you can see so many comparisons, and it, it's funny. It's funny when you when you when you see oh as you mentioned oh it's the Nazis and Nazis and Nazism. Oh Joe is uh, sorry like uh, uh Donald Trump is is a Nazi. Well, who's right next to him? Jared Kushner. Kushner. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, like, who who is his other daughter? Oh, that's Ivanka. Yep. Oh, Ivanka is an Orthodox Jew. Oh, that means that Trump is a Nazi. Well, and look and, at and those. It, look at his Jewish grandchildren sitting on his lap. That's a Nazi right there. That's a Nazi if I ever saw one. And, it, and I don't want to go through. I don't want to go through just a bit of like, oh, well, I have black friends, too. I can't be racist when your family is Orthodox Jewish. And, and you love them with all of your heart. It's really, it makes no sense, but that just shows you it doesn't matter. Like when, when they see you got in a fight and they proclaim that you're a Nazi, they feel like they can say that, even though they don't have any evidence that you're a Nazi. I, get, I got called a racist. Why did I get called a racist? They said I, some rag, said I routinely make fun of women of color. No, I exclusively make fun of Lori Lightfoot, mayor of Chicago, because she is a strange woman who does strange things. She looks it like was just very weird. Yes, Beetlejuice. I've been yeah. saying it. Mayor Beetlejuice. Yeah. So well, I get called I, I racist because I routinely make fun of women of color. So, but they don't even need to like do that. They can just say, "Oh, you're a Nazi," and and they believe that they can make these claims unsubstantiated, and they back it up and they say, "Well, other people said you're Nazis. So that must be true." That's not journalism. That's not even protected speech under defamation or slander laws. Like you have to back that up and just saying that other people did it doesn't protect you. But for some reason, they've been allowed to get away with this for so long to call someone a Nazi and it sticks and that person's life is ruined. There was one case uh, this past year of a man who was, uh, he was photographed grabbing a black woman and ushering her away. 
And they said, this guy was manhandling a black woman. He's a white supremacist. He got fired from his job at a car dealership. I believe it was in California. Life ruined, branded as a white supremacist, a Nazi, everything. Well, it turns out the reason he was picking this girl up was to get her away from the pepper spray and to protect her from other people that wanted to hurt her. So he got branded as this evil person when the facts that came out a day or two later completely exonerated him. It's just we see it all over the place. Why? Because they've been so conditioned to, to accept the idea that white supremacy is the biggest threat to the country. So if you are told that white supremacy is the biggest threat and you're also told see something, say something, you're always on the look for white supremacy. And anything but, that even remotely <clears throat> I, uh, resembles white supremacy, you're going to call it that. It's the 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 ultra orthodox and you know community in, in in New York. What what they aren't really the the politicians and the media aren't you know they're not going to cover. I think uh, by demographic they vote more right wing or conservative than any other uh, group in the country. So something like eighty two percent of them uh, preferred Trump to any other candidate. And so it's it's similar to what black conservatives deal with in that, you know, oh, if if that's, you know, that's your choice, you know, so so it, it, it again, it doesn't meet the narrative that the most devoutly religious Jews are, you know, for some, you know, saying like when they say that a black person that votes for Donald Trump is, you know, multiracial white supremacist, it's, it's like it's like calling a conservative or Trump supporting Jewish person a pro-Zionist anti-Semite, you know? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, it doesn't it's make a whole lot of sense. It's terrifying. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And when you see, I mean, I, I can't think of anything worse to call someone. Well, it used to be, but I can't think of anything worse to call someone than a white supremacist and a racist. I mean, th this is, they like to say that this country is more racist than the 1950s or the 1960s. What? I mean, it's very obviously not and there are not white supremacists behind every single lever of power. I mean, you go back even into places in New Jersey. I grew up in New Jersey. There were towns in New Jersey that were run by the Klan in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. They, they, they controlled the police department. They were the mayor. They were city council. And if a black person moved in to town, I'm, I'm thinking of one town specifically, Milltown, New Jersey. Um, my dad grew up there. He told me all these stories about that. When a black person would move into town, there would be a burning cross on his lawn. We're talking about New Jersey in the 60s and 70s. So th this is real power that really did exist. Power to terrify people, to, to abuse people, to violate people. You don't see that today. If a black person moves onto that same street in New Jersey, a, a burning cross does not get erected on their front lawn. But the left wants you to believe that it is because they don't have the power to come after you, me, anyone else in, in the comment section or listening to this or watching this, they don't have the power to go after you unless they can brand you as a threat. And when they've been so amorphous with how they're defining white supremacy, that is literally everything. We talked in the first hour, white supremacy is also now bird names. When they're, when they're so vague, it, it's open-ended. Everything's white supremacy, so everything's a threat to the country. I mean, th this is textbook, textbook dictator stuff. Uh I'll give you an example of the absurdity that I've 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 personally witnessed. Who who is that? Um, he's the veteran, the the gay the gay black veteran. I think he's a Turning Point ambassador. Do you know him? I I know what you're talking about. He don't rolls know around with Candace Owens sometimes. He was he was an yeah, Iraq I... war veteran. So mm -hmm. a, a few months after that fight took place, we were we were at another event at at the clubhouse, and Antifa had assembled in front, small amount of uh, people. It was January. 
and so they they couldn't handle the weather. But uh, we we were out front, and it was that guy, another black man, a friend of his that he brought along, two Jewish guys wearing yarmulkes, and a a Hispanic guy, and they are sitting there, a bunch of white kids with signs, violently screaming, Nazis and white supremacists. You're a bunch of Nazis and white supremacists. I'm thinking, I'm actually the minority in the crowd because I'm the only white guy standing there. And you have a gay black man with his black friend, two Jewish men that are clearly Jewish, they're wearing yarmulkes. And now the Hispanic guy, I think he's Colombian, is yelling at them in Spanish. And so if if you, and you know, going back to that segment about the, you know, the guy that was brainwashed against his family, uh, it's the same thing. If, 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 if I can put a duck in, in front of you on a table and say, this is a cow and you go, no, it's not. And I go, yes, it is. You know, what, 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 what can we do? What, what, what happens at yeah. this point? Yeah. And it's, I mean, it, it's funny. I mean, we, we say, we, we make the comment about it. if it walks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, it's a duck, but we're not talking about little woodland creatures here we're not talking about ducks swimming in a pond that you're throwing breadcrumbs to we're talking about the kind of dictatorship that ultimately ends in the mass annihilation of of the of the the other right the 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 person that's being blamed for things that are wrong in society so yeah i love the ducks the ducks work but this is more than ducks. This is this is Hitler's playbook. Right, this is, right. This and Mike, is Mao's Mike can, playbook. This is Stalin's playbook. And, this and is you were how saying, you rise to power. You were saying that the Reichstag thing was, you know, kind of the the false flag to prep as as the same thing as January sixth. My concern is the rhetoric that's coming out from you know all of these you know departments now is that there's there's so many things developing as we move forward. You know, audit the audit reports are coming up. A bunch of other states are going to start doing audits. It's almost as if they're prepping the ground, you know, they're prepping their ground game for the reality that in the next few weeks, maybe a few months, there might be a justifiably enraged group of people that will want their voices yeah. heard. And so it's almost as if they're like, okay, we have to move it around to prepare for that and feed a false flag narrative. So, you know, if there is an instance that one of these audits shows that there was a huge discrepancy and that it didn't go the way it should have gone and people, you know, assemble or whatever, then they can send in, you know, this is also part of the reason why they, you know, want to break up the state level police departments and defund them. It, what did the, what did they do with the Gestapo? You know, it, yeah. it, it is the idea of, you know, not only do they want to nationalize the economy, they want to nationalize the police force. Because if you have a state by state autonomy of, of enforcement and something of this magnitude, which, you know, you're, you know, alluding to possibly happening the way things are going and looking at historical precedent, it's, uh, you have a, you have, you unify the enforcement body. So they all play by one set of rules rather than the checks and balance system of having state level justice or enforcement agencies. So it's, it's a, it's a very, very fragile situation we're in. And it from is. what I've seen, and this is all... this is another this is another one of those moments where it's a very unfortunate segue talking about being branded an insurrectionist to remind everyone that this podcast is sponsored by We the People Holsters. Starting at just forty dollars, We the People Holsters are custom molded to fit your exact firearm for a quick, smooth draw. They have thousands of options to choose from, different colors, different sizes, different molds. 
They, and, and they're all custom printed holsters, including a line with real tree camouflage. So if you're a hunter and you have and you like to wear real tree camouflage, you can get a holster that uses the same camouflage pattern. And while you're there, make sure you check out their complete line of patriotic t-shirts and new EDC tactical gun belt, all manufactured 100% in the United States. And don't forget to pick up some of their some of their bacon jerky. It's to die for. Yes, I said that bacon jerky. So show, show your support for the show and this great American company by going to www.wethepeopleholsters.com forward slash CD right now. And if you use promo code CD10, Charlie Delta 10, you'll get $10 off your order, not 10%, $10. So if you buy a holster for 40 bucks, bam, use CD10, that holster is $30. And they sent me one holster. I want to make sure I tried it before I promoted this for my 1911. It's fantastic. So it's a, it's a no-brainer. Make sure you go to www.wethepeopleholsters.com forward slash CD and use promo code CD10 and you'll get $10 off. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that part of this is setting the stage. When everything is white supremacy, when, dis, when disputing the election results is white supremacy, and you want $100 million to create a task force to go after white supremacists, right as all of these audits are coming, right, yeah, it, it makes sense that they would want to do this to, to set the stage to crack down. on. I mean, they've promised they, they've threatened to, to stop audits. They've threatened to come in and stop audits by which, claiming which they're racist. Which federal, uh, at a federal level of state, uh, you know, they have no they have no right to interfere in a, on a state level election. And uh, it's, it's, it's interesting to watch some of these senators and congressmen bite back and say, back off. You're not in charge here. So, yeah. you know, if. <laughs> If you want to go back to the the FBI and uh, you know I have a, a story of this no one's even really heard of this so the FBI's you know you know met me one time they're they're seeking a narrative uh, you know and I'm just met them at a nice restaurant and it's like what do you guys want you know and they couldn't they couldn't get anything so fast forward two months or so I happened to be at a, a friend's presser event he was filing a lawsuit for something somewhere and there's this guy his name's Derek and Derek is a very conservative black man and his daughter is as well and Derek showed up too and Derek is you know salt of the earth kind of you know he's 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 a country boy he he he's everything that you know would 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 send a liberal scratching their head and so Derek was at this event and it was in front of uh, the Supreme Court building in downtown Manhattan and this guy on a bike, this white guy on a bike, uh, deranged, in a deranged fashion, starts ripping Derek apart because Derek had some Trump flag. And he, you know, he's circling him, calling him all sorts of profanities and, and racist things. And the guy comes back five minutes later and he's like, uh, like on bath salts or something. He's, he's just blown a lid and he, he swings at Derek. And I saw Derek going down to the pavement if he got another hit in. Uh, so I intervened and, you know, this guy ended up getting restrained and, you know, you do this in front of a courthouse, a bunch of marshals rushed uh, the the situation and then the cops show up. This guy gets detained by, uh, you know, the U.S. Marshals and I had a U.S. Marshal come over to me and be like, look, nice work. You know, we saw everything that happened. Nice work. And so this gets funneled and, you know, they, they, they file a report and everything and this guy's, this guy's losing his mind. And it turns out he was actually a, a, like a court system employee, white guy, court system employee. And so this gets funneled into the report. My name is, gets thrown into the mix again. And I get 
a call from the, one of the agents that met me for the other fight. And so I go and meet these guys, and I meet him with Derek. So it's me and this conservative black man and his daughter who was a witness to, you know, attest to what I had done was vital to her father not suffering massive head injury hitting the concrete. And they come at the angle of, so Derek, are you part of the Proud Boys? And then, then nothing ever happened of it because it turned out he was a, he was a, a court employer or some kind of government employee. The guy never had anything done to him. That report, you know, disappeared. They pushed it under the rug. And so, yeah, no, I've, I've, I've personally dealt with feds hunting a narrative and it's should be very concerning to everyone. Yeah. Uh, I could probably well, get what, Derek what, on this to talk about it, but it, it, it it's, it's wild. What, what I've said, and Joe disagrees with me sometimes. He, he, he's open to talk. What I've tried to explain to everyone is don't talk. Like, like I support police officers. I support any law enforcement officer. But if someone's coming to me mm-hmm. and saying we need to talk to you, there is never a situation where talking to a police officer will ever make you more innocent than you were the moment you went into it. Because anything you say to them can and will be used against you. They're actually not allowed to testify on your behalf in court because it ends up being hearsay. Mm-hmm. So I, I have tried to tell everyone who will listen, don't talk to the cops because then you don't even get in a position where you're asked if you're a proud boy. Cause if you say yes, you incriminate yourself. If you say no, they say, well, well you were at a proud boy event, weren't you? Yeah. You know I mean, it just, it, it's all trapped. The whole thing's a trap. Right. 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 Everything so that this, you this other event was, this other event was entirely unrelated and you know, it was not, Hey, could you describe what happened to you? Because it was a blatant, blatant case of assault and motivated too, but motivated by race. I mean, this guy said, guy called him a guy called him a monkey or something. He called Derek a monkey and then swung at him. And to me, that's just, you know, they weren't, you know, with all this known and in a report, the FBI wasn't concerned about any of that. They were concerned about like, so Derek, are you part of this white supremacist hate group as well? And yeah, they, 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 they control the, they control the, the switches and, we should all be very concerned. We should. We should. I want to take a, a quick break, and I want to let everyone know what's going on with Joe Biden meeting with Vladimir Putin. We have a shot from just before we went live of the two of them meeting. Let's go ahead and play this. This is cut number one. Pay attention to what Joe Biden brought with him to this meeting. Let's play cut one. No cards. The President of the United States brought no cards his meeting with Putin. I cannot imagine anything. I mean, look at the body language. You can I, tell I that. Gonna, that was the first thing I was going to jump to is look at the posture. Yeah. I mean, Putin's in control of the room the whole time. Yeah, he's in control of the room. Joe Biden has his note cards. And we know that his note cards are required to keep him on message. Go to my screen. This was from a couple days ago. His note cards overseas. These are note cards for his overseas speak, speaking events. This, this, this is real. DOJ talking points. Sunday, June 13th, 2021. Trump abused his power. Hmm. Trump DOJ out of control. Now we have to clean it up. I've made it clear this DOJ will reflect my values and principles and priorities, not Donald Trump's. So he's overseas and it's still about anti-Trump and they're just feeding him. So I'd love to know what was on those, <laughs> those flashcards because obviously he needed them to stay on message, but they didn't have a press conference. They didn't give a press conference together, obviously, that would, that would show clear mental decline if Joe Biden stood on stage next to Putin. Even through a translator, Putin would run circles 
around Joe Biden, but he did speak to the press. And I want to show you that even when he's talking about Putin, he's got Trump on the brain. Mr. Producer, play that clip I just sent you. I caught part of President uh, uh, Putin's uh, uh, press conference. I caught part of President... (laughs) Even when he's talking about President Putin, he's still going to President Trump. Trump is the first word that comes out of his mouth. So I don't know what's going on with this guy. I'll go off on a tangent, but look look, look at his body language, uh, him squinting. So I've spoken with a lot of doctors about this, and I've had family members. uh, Grandfather went... uh, uh, dementia, Alzheimer's. The squinting is because actually the connection between his brain and what he wants to say is that he actually doesn't know, like the, the thing that he wants to say isn't there. So it's almost this mm-hmm. muscular, it's like body language. It's this muscle reflex of him squinting is, is, is it's every time he's squinting, it's because there's a, a short circuit between his mouth and his brain. And that's one of the probably late beginning to mid stages of severe mental decline and yet they keep walking this guy around like uh well there's another reason there's there's another potential cause for it a lot of the medications that treat dementia that treat alzheimer's that treat mental decline are stimulants so the whole goal being let's stimulate the brain let's push some uppers in you and and that and that's how it goes well stimulants end up dilating your 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 eyes so anyone who's ever got if you've ever gone to an eye doctor and they dilate your eyes so they can look at it you know that when you leave that office yeah you you know that when you leave that office with dilated pupils the minute you see any light is ah so that's the other side of this if you've seen his eyes now versus his eyes when he was vice president you could see the color of his eyes back then now all you see are pupil you, you don't actually you don't actually see the color in the eyes it's just all black it, it's almost real it's really weird so when he's outside like that in sunlight that's another potential reason why he's always squinty because it's just like he just left the doctor the eye doctor his, his pupils are dilated that's possible he also just takes a drag off a hunter's pipe so you know yeah that's true that that that's that's very true maybe that's he actually, went he maybe went he might have went carpet surfing with hunter that's actually written on one of the cards that he was holding was um, don't hit the crack pipe. My yeah. name is Joe Biden, Avo- and I'm talking to Vladimir Putin. Those are the three that were on there. If you didn't know, uh, avoid the crack news. pipe. Avoid the crack pipe at all costs. But so we see this guy. Just want to jump in there, show you that he's still embarrassing the world on the world stage, uh, the United States on the world stage. And this is the guy who is now branding anyone who disagrees with the legitimacy of his office as a white supremacist. Hmm. Anyone who protested outside the Capitol as a white supremacist, anyone who will protest once these audits come out, you are a white supremacist. He now wants you gone. Again, I hate the Hitler analogies, but when you see what they're doing with the critical race theory, it's the same deal. It's the same deal. Teaching the kids to turn in people for microaggressions, for racism. Turn them in. Turn your neighbor in. Turn your coworker in. Turn for, for what? For a crime? No. For their ideology of being sufficiently radicalized. It's just, it's, it's terrifying that we've gotten this far because we've been talking on the show about this slow creep and we've talked about the, the stickers, the stickers of, of what people have to wear now to prove they're vaccinated. So there's a, a subset of using stickers on your clothes to prove you are either have or have not. I mean, I, it's again, it's right out of the playbook. I, I got, I was in an elevator in my building and we have this like awkward standoff 
this woman gets in and I said, yeah, you know, she doesn't have her mask on and I don't have my mask. I'm like, yeah, you know, it's this awkward standoff where, you know, you don't know, wait for the next elevator. And she goes, well, that's because no one knows if the other person's vaccinated or not. I'm like, oh, actually, no, you're right. I said, you know, maybe you should get like an armband or something. You know, I, I, you know, we could get yeah. an armband to let people know. And she's like, yeah, I mean, yeah. And she just, and it's just like they don't even understand and they can't even tattoo, draw the parallels. Tattoo the to number, it. right? Yeah. Tattoo the number on your forearm. Yeah, like Lots COVID, of different things. COVID QR yeah. code or something. Yeah, yeah. It, it, there are people though, and this is what's crazy. There are people who have got taken their vaccine card and tattooed it onto their arm. I mean, this is, this is real. Yeah. They, they have done it. They've branded themselves with their own COVID vaccination details. Um, again, it's, it's, it's right. It's right out of, if you wanted to be a modern day Hitler and you wanted to divide the country and pit neighbor against neighbor, friend against friend, family against family, just look at the family members. I'm sure you've experienced this, but I've, I've had fights with family members in the age of Trump. Right. I've had I've had fights with family members. I've it lost saves friends. all my holiday shopping. It does. It does. But like if, if you look at this, is it's not conservatives who do this. Right. Think back. If, if, if whoever's watching, think back to the last time you had a family event and it just it, it almost came to blows when you talked about politics. You're at a you're at a Thanksgiving table and it, and it just gets really heated. Notice it's never the conservative there who's trying to like dehumanize the other person. Right to, to kick them out. It's never the conservative that starts it. It's the liberal who starts it. Th they've been conditioning this for a while, and we've reached a point now where the arguments we've been having in, in the comfort of our home between family members, between friends, between neighbors, coworkers, they now want to criminalize it, and they now want you to be turned in, and they want $100 million so they can prosecute it, and they want some of that money to go towards helping big tech and media police misinformation because misinformation leads to white supremacy. It, it this is the complete re, they're trying to erode all of our basic freedoms and they're doing it right in front of us while promising that they're going to protect our constitutional rights this is i i don't want to sound like a broken record but this is quite literally the playbook go through history find a dictator and how they attained power by demonizing one subset of society this is how you do it and the only question we have is are we going to sit here and take it or are we going to push back? The problem is pushback is now being branded as white supremacy, right? Yeah, you know, so it, you, it, it, it's, it's you know, between my lifetime in the Northeast and then going to, you know, the South and living in the South, you know, you have this, you know, narrative coming from the media that, or, or, or even just, you know, from, from everyone saying that, you know, South is just inherently racist. And I actually see blacks and whites getting along better in the South than I do in the Northeast. And it's, you know, in the Northeast, it's, it, it, it's, I would say racism, though not direct, di you know, racism in the sense of like, oh, you're a black person, you can't think for yourself here, let me help you think yeah. for yourself. It's, it's much it's more the prevalent. Racism, it's the racism of low expectations. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. And so that's, that's just another irony is that, you know, I've, I've, I've seen much more unity down south now because... I don't know if it's I don't know if it's the the clashing of liberal cities and that you have these liberal marauders in some sense in the cities and so they 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 have to you know virtue signal and project their their uh, you know their goodness onto the people that live around them but it's almost in the same sense that a lot of it like the, you know they they 
won't ever actually engage with these communities. They'll just let it be known yeah. that, you know, they have a black friend, you know. And usually when someone starts or says that, you know, I'm not racist, I have a black friend, usually I would say you're probably a racist if you're keeping yeah. track. So, Yeah, it's true. It, it, it is true. Um, I don't know. This is all so... This is all so disturbing to me. It's, I, I feel, I'm terrified because when you see how easily they've just successfully branded anyone who disagrees with them as some of the worst terms imaginable, like there is nothing worse than calling someone a white supremacist because that person truly believes that the person standing next to him simply by basis, basis of the pigmentation of his skin is somehow the lesser. I mean, I cannot think of anything worse than that, but they, they have they have democratized the term in a way that now allows, they bastardize it, that allows anyone just to be a white supremacist. You don't have to back up, you don't have to show your work, you don't have to prove it, you can just completely just run someone's name through the mud. It, it's so it's so disturbing. Remind everyone again, this podcast brought to you by Air Medicare Network. Air Medicare Network, the premier insurance plan for protecting you should you ever need to be airlifted in a medical emergency. They've been on the podcast for a few weeks. They've re-upped. What I'm reading to you now is a re-up because so many people are, are signing up that they bought more weeks on the podcast with us, which just goes to show how important of a product this is. Don't leave it up to chance, right? Disaster can strike anywhere. And even if you don't go out in the middle of nowhere, if you, even if you don't go hiking or, or skiing or hunting, even if you just live in the suburbs, you'd be surprised how many people need to be transported to a hospital by helicopter just from one suburb to another because they happen to suffer some kind of medical emergency during rush hour. Well, don't leave it up to fate and don't stick yourself with the $50,000 bill in some cases that comes associated with a medical transportation flight. With Air Care Network for just $85. For one year, you and your whole household will be covered. And that's less if you're a senior citizen, less if you buy three or five years at a time, less per year if you buy three or five years at a time. And the great part about this promotion is if you sign up now using our promo code, promo code daily, you'll get up to $50 back in the form of an e-gift card, depending on what plan you buy. It's free money. So again, go to www.airmakecarenetwork.com forward slash daily and use promo code daily to get up to $50 back in the form of an e-gift card. What are your thoughts on uh, on critical race theory? Because we, we talked about it in I talked about it in the first hour when you when you see and we we put it up on the screen again, Mr. Producer. Honestly, Go ahead, put I, up image four. This is what Nazi era critical race theory looks like when they're quite literally saying that your race determines what your skull looks like, what your nose looks like, and you can identify the other based on these physical characteristics. That that's what critical race theory looked like now. And it's very similar today, not as much with the with the BS science aspect to it, but the idea that this these people are responsible for all of your problems and you should live your life according to that. And if you disagree, you're the white supremacist that we're warning about. What do you think about the push for critical race theory in schools today? It's just another layer to the onion of, of, of you know, people incentivizing people to wake up hating someone else. Uh, but besides that, I don't really... I don't really even look into that stuff. I don't. I, I can't even listen to it. Uh, you know, it's. I, I. I've actually become so disgusted by all of this and the harping on race. My, my. Most of my focus has been that this is all a precursor to, you know, going back to the thing about, you know, when these election results come out, these audit results come out, that it's just you know doubling down, doubling down. So I don't. I don't even. 
I don't even give that subject time of day because I think it is, you know, I, I view it the same way as rewriting history, getting rid of the statues and where, you know, where the, the, the irony of the progressive movement is that it's always digging up the past. So, you know, the running thing is that, you know, you're, you know, the past is the past for a reason, yet for some reason they keep trying to bring it to, yeah. you know, the, 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 the limelight and, uh, so I, I'm not actually very familiar with it. I've I've heard bits and pieces of it. I I just I I I, t- I clocked out of the whole, uh, you know, race war thing that they're trying to create at this point because that's you know that's how do you how do you stop the propaganda? You turn the TV off. So that's, yeah, that's my yeah. play. Uh, well, uh, uh, do, do you have kids? No, no. So I, I have kids. They're not school age yet. But my one son is three years old. He's getting ready next year to go into pre-K. And they, this critical race theory has started infecting kindergartner, kindergarten classes, teaching them that, that white supremacy is all around you, that white people are evil, teaching white kids to feel guilty for something they don't even comprehend yet. And you can tell how close we are to winning this fight. Mr. Bruiser, go ahead, put up my screen. If you search, just Google search critical race theory, you start seeing that a lot of the media types are coming to its defense. The left is I, trying to redefine critical race theory because they are losing. Uh, I, some I lawmakers want to ban Jones. critical race theory. Vernon Jones, yeah. you know, African-American, <laughs> is, is, you know, running for governor of, of Georgia, if I'm correct, on the basis that he will cancel any, any presence of that in, in any educational uh, you know, system in the, the state. And so I'll, I'm just curious to see how they you know, flip that script and, and say uh, how Vernon Jones is a multiracial white supremacist as well. Yeah. Oh, oh they will. I'm a big fan of his. And, and, he's, he's, the, he's one of the few guys that finally started biting back with between the audits and, you know, demanding from Kemp and to audit the yeah. Fulton County. So it's... So here, let's go back to my screen, Mr. Producer. This is from PolitiFact. You know that it we are making ground because PolitiFact put out how the GOP Senate resolution condemning critical race theory distorts the facts. And then you have Black Lives Matter people protesting. So just short, if your time is short, they say, this is what they want you to know. A Senate resolution condemns critical race theory, but it's not a defined doctrine, isn't caught, taught in K to 12 schools. That's just not true. We, we've covered this. It's taught in elementary and high schools. Still, it provides intellectual context for open discussions of race and privilege now. Critical supporters of critical race theory applaud the Civil Rights Act of 1964, but see it as insufficient to correct past damage. Supporters take a critical view of American institutions, but they speak of strengthening the essential American institution of democracy. So that's the that's the biggest load of horse crap I've ever read. <laughs> They're basically trying to take this issue of teaching elementary school kids, which is what a lot of these critical race theory curriculum do. And they are not actually telling you what critical race theory is. They say it isn't taught in schools. And even if it is, it's just an open discussion. And then they're like, oh, well, supporters just want to strengthen American institutions of democracy. That's a load of crap. Critical race theory is teaching kids racism. What do you think the end game is on that? So your kids going in, what well, you said, they're three years old. What do you think the end game is? You know, what, 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 what do you think the product of this restructured educational approach, what do you think the end product is when that, that kid is going in in, you know, first grade 
and they're coming out in 12th grade. Well, submissiveness. Submission. That's what, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for people. I mean, there, there are things we've all been taught at a young age, and we just accept it. Right? Unless, you, unless you've taken higher level mathematics, two, two plus two is four, just because that's how it is, right? You, you don't get taught the proof of how two plus two equals four and, and what that means until you reach higher levels of mathematics. We've learned that at lower levels, and we, it's just true. It's true. And isn't Common Core it. also now, you know, the push with Common Core, isn't Common Core, isn't supposedly at some point two plus two could possibly equal five? Yeah, well, it's racist if you, if you don't. But the mm -hmm. point is that you're, you're taught things in elementary school and middle school where they don't go into depth and teach you how it works, why it works that way, right? We've all taken the classes. You get taught the American Revolution in elementary school like every year. And every year they get a little bit more in depth. You learn a little bit more about it, what it was a little bit more about. You start off with just there was a war for independence. The Americans beat the British. That's it. Done, right? I mean, they're trying to layer this on grade by grade by grade by grade by grade to condition you to know, just know in your heart of hearts, just know, just like you or I or anyone else can say, oh, the American War for Independence, United States beat the British. Even if you've never studied another history class after elementary and middle school, you just, you know that, right? You know that the, that the Union beat the Confederacy, you know it. That's the basics of elementary school and middle school history education. They're trying to put in there this idea that white supremacy is is evil. Every institution in our society has has w evil white supremacy somehow pulling the strings, and that it's your job in life to fight back against this. And if you're white, you are to blame for the ills faced by other people, and you should feel ashamed and you should feel guilty for it. So when they teach kindergartners to feel white guilt, it's not because they expect kindergartners to do anything about it. Anyone who's ever suffered a traumatic experience as a, as a kindergartner or, or a young kid, you know it sticks with you for a long time. Imagine going into kindergarten and being told that you are responsible for racism in for, America for hurting before your you even understand what that for is. Your, yeah, your, yeah, your, your yeah. friend over there is a victim of you because, you know, 200 years ago, you your hands were on the wheel somehow. Yeah. It's, 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 not... it's like it's no different than saying, you know, your uncle murdered someone. Therefore, that makes you his nephew, the murder, a murderer yeah. as well. And so yeah. uh, you take that argument to, the, you know, the streets. It makes no sense. But to say that, yeah, you know, I mean, look, if, if we want to go back, we need to go back for the whole period of time. You know, we, we should tear down the Great Pyramids. You know, we should rewrite all of history. Well, no, th that's black history, black and brown history. So if a white man tore down a, period that, a pyramid, that would be racist. So you got to be careful. You got to be careful. See, there's landmines everywhere. So unlike when it comes to like teaching about LGBTQIA, ABCDGAY, whatever the letters are this year, aside, like that part of it, is, as Joe talks about on the show a lot, is there is a grooming element to that, right? Teaching kids that that if you, at one given moment, you decide that you're gay, you can be gay forever. Well, listen, there are kids who go into kindergarten thinking that they're a dinosaur that day. They're right. not a dinosaur. Right. Right. So that element of it is actually to convince kids to change their ways. But critical race theory is different in that it says it's unchangeable. The skin color you're born with, you inherit the crimes of untold numbers of people before you that you'll never meet, that you'll never know about. Right. You never prove it. Right. It's, it's just this lingering cloud of racism that's always above our heads. And it's your fault. So they're not trying to to turn kids gay. They're trying to make you realize that you're terrible the way you are. And I guess it's another kind of grooming to, to make people. It's just believe advanced marketing. Done something. It's like that handbag will make you, you know, 
cooler or the girls you know uh, get that the louis vuitton handbag you'll you know it, it, it creates a attention so it's 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 just a it's it's great mar- i mean it's you know they're very good at marketing they're very good yeah. at marketing their cause they should uh probably take it into the you know fashion world or some the difference being applicable. though the difference being that as opposed to the commercials of you should eat fruit fruit loops right you should eat you should eat all oh, this cereal that cereal that they market to kids and the kids say hey mommy i want to eat this cereal the difference between that and this is they're teaching you that you see that that black kid, that black girl next to you, your friends, but realize that she's going to have a crap life. She's not going to get a job when she grows up because of your skin color. I mean, that's the crap that they're teaching them. And it's to condition them to, as they go through life, just accept it. It's just one of the rules because at that age in elementary school, middle school, you are taught things and you're not taught why. You're just taught this is what happened. You're taught the dates. You're taught the names, right? You're not expected to go into depth about why things are the way they are. You just learn the concepts and you accept them as fact. High school, you do a little bit of that. The college, you go into more of it. But they're trying to weasel this in as just like, oh, I mean, they don't expect you to, to act in elementary school to understand the way to actually quantify gravity, right? They don't expect you to be able to, to write the equation for gravity, but they will teach you what gravity is, right? And, and mm-hmm. it's just a fact. It's always a fact. They don't, they don't explain that it's based on where you are in relation to other planets. They don't care about that. It's just what goes up must come down. They're trying to teach the same lesson for critical so race theory. So what's the craziest thing that you've seen come home with your kids? My kids haven't gone yet. My, my kids are okay. three. My, my son's three years old. And how's the other The other one's a newborn. Okay. He's like seven months. I'd be interested to see what, you know, it's almost as if the whole COVID away from school, you know, digital learning thing was like to clear the pathway for this new reset. You know, it traumatized the kids so much that they forget what it was like beyond earlier. And then now, you know, is the new frontier, the new, you know, the new, you know, the new experiment as these kids go back to school. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting, but no, my, my one son's three years old. He's at daycare now. They're not teaching him there. And my, my seven month old son, he's with my wife right now. And I, I know she is not teaching him critical race theory, but when it comes time to put them into school, we're going to make, we're going to make a decision of where they go based on what kind of curriculum they're teaching. And I mean, just, just as one anecdote, um, I went to Boston college. It's, it's a Catholic school. And I remember there was a protest one day at BC people were students were pissed off that there were crosses in every classroom. So they've signed up to go to a Catholic school. And they're pissed that there's a cross in every classroom. They say oh, it, it's, it's divisive. It, it's, it's hateful. In, in just the, the span of four years, that movement gained ground. That movement gained popularity. There was an admission from the school that we should have more secular opportunities and we shouldn't be so forwardly Christian, forwardly Catholic. So when I see that, and I, I realize just how that can just gain, gain ground. It's terrifying thinking of what they could accomplish, what the left could accomplish if they plant that seed in kindergarten, if they plant that seed in first grade, second grade, third grade of truly making people believe that, that they are worse for their skin color. It's everything that, that we are taught uh, to oppose, right? The idea that skin color determines who you are. It's the exact opposite. They, they set the stage for compliance with the, the masks. You know, I was walking around my, my hometown or my neighborhood and uh, I watched a, a chain of children 
you know, maybe five, six years old, come out of a, you know, out of the school building to go to the playground. And they're like little zombies. They're not running around. They're not touching each other. They're not, you know, hang, they're, they're like, it's like an NPC meme almost that they've pre-programmed these kids for the next thing being, you know, don't question, do as you're told. Yeah. The world is scary beyond the thing, you know, in front of your face. And you take everything for fact as it, as, as it is told to you. So I, 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 that's part of the reason why I don't have kids. And, you know, questioning yeah. the, the trajectory of the next few years is when I'll decide if I have kids. Uh, it, very, yeah. very scary, though, if you're a parent. I sympathize with you on that. It really is. So we've covered a lot today and we're, and we're out of time. But I, I would highly recommend that everyone share this podcast. If you haven't already, give us a thumbs up comment you can share on all the platforms we're on facebook d live twitch um, conservative-daily.com you can share it please do because the first hour the second hour conversation this is the oh, this is the kind of stuff that really needs to be shared and, and I'll, I'll bring this up um probably about a week we're, we're going to be on telegram we're going to be much more active on telegram we're going to have the, brand, uh, the, the the podcast on telegram the the outlet on telegram so We'll ask that you share that amongst your groups as well when, when that's set and done. Yeah. So make sure you hit the share button and make sure you uh, you talk about this because this is an issue that if you do not fight back, they're gonna it's just gonna run roughshod over all of us. If they, if, if if we allow this this branding everyone as a white supremacist, there's no coming back from that. Which well, is why yeah. we are running a fax blast. We are running a fax blast today. Make sure you you check that out. Link is in the description as well as one of the panels on D Live. Make sure you participate in the fax blast because it, it, it's time to take these people down. Absolutely. They cannot be allowed to divide the country like this. Well, that's going to be it for this edition of the of the podcast. If you like the podcast, do make sure you subscribe to the audio version. That's available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and Podbean. All links in the description. Even if you watch the live version, please do also subscribe and download the audio version. That's how we prove the numbers to our advertisers. They don't care about streams or, or after-the-fact live views. They care about audio downloads. So if you can, please do that, and please help us get more advertisers. Make sure you check out our sponsors of the show. That's Airmed Care Network, as well as We the People Holsters. Great stuff. Make sure you check it out. Link in the description as well as the discount you get when you use the promo code. That's going to be it for this edition of the podcast. My name is Max McGuire. My name is Jake Freho. And remember, everyone, that the fight to take back our country isn't over yet, but the only way we win is if we all stand up and fight together. <laughs>